your plans are over these next few days, but I hope that you have a meaningful and a, a great time with your family and remember what God has given us, these freedoms we never, ever, y'all, can take for granted. You know, it's kind of a long weekend. Did anybody hear fireworks last night near their place? Yeah. I think they're going to be shooting for the next today and then tomorrow and then right on into Tuesday, but... But boy, I, somebody was shooting them out of our way about 10, 30, 11 o'clock last night. So it's, I'm like, they're celebrating. Uh, Jessica came in, uh, into, in there and go, Daddy, Daddy, something's happening across the road. And I said, yeah, they're just celebrating early, sweetie. Just getting it going. But listen, uh, oh, by the way, uh, the garden, nobody came over to pick green beans this week, okay, uh, out of the whole church. None of y'all came. And, and to work, but my neighbor, I went to him, and they came over, and they picked them. They did, so uh, the beans, uh, just to let y'all know, y'all didn't come. I just wanted y'all to know that, but anyway, they, the garden's still open to you to come, by the way. We're going to see something. Beginning next Sunday, uh, I'm going to start a series on spiritual gifts, and uh, every Christian has them. And every Christian has been given a gift for a reason. And so for several weeks, we're going to look at that, what that gift might be for you. We're going to actually go through the gifts and um, identify what they are. And then we're going to have a practical way for you to use those gifts to participate in this body so it can make Grass Church what it needs to be. You know, every one of us have a purpose and a reason for being here. And God makes that purpose real to us when we openly and honestly look at him with all our heart. Today I'm going to be going, and if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 9. Um, begin, we're going to look at verses 36 through 38. But I'm going to be, the topic I have today is called the harvest. Lord, give us one more. The harvest. Lord, give us one more. Now, the harvest is something that uh, the Bible speaks an awful lot about. The Bible, in the Bible, the harvest carries a lot of spiritual significance to it uh, throughout. And there is a harvest time, and there's seven Jewish feasts that the nation of Israel celebrated. And one of those was the Feast of Weeks, known as the, is the Feast of Harvest. And so... A lot of agricultural terms are tied to the feast, and the feast actually, there were feasts that happened in the springtime, and then there were the feast in the fall. And so a harvest was closely tied to these things. And also in the Bible, there are parables, stories that deal with the harvest. And then there's uh, metaphors, which are comparisons between things in relation to the harvest. And we're going to see some things that what God has to say to us about the harvest uh, today. I want you to know this too. The harvest, it is symbolic of bounty, is symbolic of health, and is symbolic of abundance. And listen, I've, I've grown a garden for years. I, I, can, I can do my part. I can plant, I can, uh, I can sow the seed, I can even water it a little bit with my you know with our well but when God waters it is totally different have you ever noticed that you water something but when and listen when God waters it there's something about when God does it that it has something in it that makes it different than just the water I dwell it's amazing but when he does then there comes a bounty I've, I've grown some great vines before 
beautiful vines. But when, if we didn't get the rain at the proper time from the Lord, we didn't get a harvest. We got some. We got a little bit, but we didn't get a harvest like we got this year. And so I told Angie, she prayed for green beans this year, and the Lord gave her. She, she put up 49 quarts of green beans. Okay, that's a lot. Okay, several bushels. But the, the harvest came this year. And we're going to look at some stories here, that parables and things in the Bible that are going to tie all of this for us. But it is symbolic of bounty, it's symbolic of health, and it's symbolic of abundance. And I mean abundance in a, in a powerful way. And as I said, Israel celebrated the time of harvest with a feast of harvest. In this, in this passage, let's look at it. It's found in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 36. Let's see what it says. It says, Jesus, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. We're going to notice several things about that in this text, and I want to kind of break it down for you. First of all, notice this. Jesus spoke of a spiritual harvest waiting to be reaped. Jesus spoke of a spiritual harvest waiting to be reaped here. You know, it's one thing when you know that it's out there. It's out there on the vine. You know that it's loaded. And you know, hey, all we gotta do is we gotta go out there into the field and we gotta get it. We gotta work. And we gotta do this in order to harvest it. You know, one of the most beautiful t things I've ever seen was uh, years ago in the mid, in uh, I think it was the mid-90s, we traveled out to Colorado and we went by car. And when we drove across the plains and we got into eastern Colorado, they were finishing up with the combines out in the field uh, with the grain and the wheat. They were finishing up harvesting. And I thought we had fields here in Georgia. Mm. They got fields out there, okay? I mean, it's as far as you can see. And when those combines, I mean, we're talking, they look like little toys, but we're talking combines that were cutting a path as wide as this stage, okay? Cutting a path that wide, and they, they would have like five of them in a row, and they, they would be just cutting. And I was sitting there going, that's harvest. That's harvest. But that grain was ready to be harvested, and those combines were going through there just like that. And then the big, the big tractor trailer, was waiting to, for them to dump it in. And, and I'm going, now that's farming right there. And they were seeing the benefit of the harvest time. Jesus was giving them a word picture here. He's saying the harvest, y'all, is plentiful. Let's see some of the things that Jesus, in this text, that reveals some things to us. First of all is this. Jesus saw the people. He saw the crowds. You know, Jesus sees you. He sees the people. What were these people going through? It said he went into the villages and the cities and the country, and he saw people that were needing healing. He saw people that were hurting, and Jesus saw it. Do you know Jesus sees exactly what you're going through in your life right now? He notices. He knows every detail about what's going on. 
in your life. Jesus sees you. And that's, that comforts me to know that. Jesus sees me, and he saw these people. And he sees what's going on. And next is this. Jesus not only sees, Jesus felt for the people. It says he was moved with compassion. It's something that moved him. That's why, I mean, God loved us, and I know Jesus left heaven and he came to this earth. But when Jesus saw how the people were hurting, he was moved in such a way that he felt compassion for them. And that, I don't know about you, but I love that about God. I love that about Jesus, that he is so moved with compassion that he cares that much about us. Remember a few weeks ago when I shared that verse about, I have loved you with an everlasting love? This is, this is just saying the same thing, but in a different way. Jesus felt that compassion and that love. And why did he feel that compassion and that love? Because he saw the people were distressed, which means they were harassed. He saw the people dispirited, which means they were being thrown down, being like beaten down. Uh, Angie and I went to see Wonder Woman uh, in the movie. She wanted, she'd already seen it with Philip, but she wanted me to go see it with her. It was like a date for us. So we went over to Athens the other day, and we saw Wonder Woman. And I'm going to tell you, when it got to No Man's Land, I'm not going to tell you much about the movie, but when it got to that scene, and she saw that the people were being beaten and beaten down and being slaughtered and killed, she said, I can do something about it. All right, now I know this is Greek mythology and Wonder Woman and Zeus and all that stuff, and that's, that's blah, blah, blah. But we're talking God. We're talking God of the universe. We're talking the creator of all things becomes man. And Jesus sees it. He sees people distressed. He sees them beaten down. And you know what? He can do something about it. You might be thinking, well, why is, you know, it goes, throws up the, why is there so much evil in the world and all that? Well, why won't Jesus do something about it? Why, why won't God do something about it? People make that argument all the time. But most of that is man's doing. And God does intervene sometime. And God does destroy sometime. But those are some questions that are beyond my pay grade and beyond my understanding in many ways. But listen, God sees, Jesus sees, and he can do some things about it. Then he gives us a word picture here, y'all. He says, he sees them like what? Like sheep without a shepherd. Have you ever seen, uh, we don't have a lot of sheep around here, but have you ever had cows get out near your place and they come across and get in your stuff? Anybody have that happen in the room? You know, some cows get out? You just hope it's not your cows getting out, okay, if it's, or if they're yours, but they have a tendency. It doesn't matter if anything's inside a fence. It always wants to get out of that fence and get over there into somebody else's stuff. It don't matter what it is. But have you ever seen animals that weren't being taken care of? How they look without being taken care of? I know uh, people all the time are showing these Commercials on TV of neglected animals, and it'll, it'll tear your heart up, won't it, when you see those neglected animals. It makes you want to give money to, to, right then to support it. But you can't, I know, you either go, you're either going to give or you're going to change the channel. That's what's going to happen. But you can't just keep watching it. 
because if you do, you're going to end up giving. <laughs> but when things are neglected and not looked after, that's serious. And here's what Jesus saw. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And sheep, y'all, are not the smartest of animals, and they don't have a whole lot of ways to fight and defend themselves. And so they're very vulnerable. And so they are really just open to be slaughtered. He saw them that way. Notice this, the next thing. Jesus also knows, according to this scripture, how much work is to be done. He looked out and he saw that the harvest was big. He saw that the harvest was big. He knows how much work is to be done. You know, uh, I, I went and did a funeral this past week, and I met a guy down from uh, Crawfordville, Georgia, and uh, he was actually Ryan Maddox's brother-in-law that I've known for years, Ryan, a friend of mine. And this fella talked just like uh, the men do in Gone with the Wind. All right, he would have been, he could have played Clark Gable because his drawl and his accent, I could have just sit and listened to him talk. And y'all might be thinking, well, you talk that way. No, I don't. I mean, that guy, he had me way beyond, all right? He, but I was just enjoying listening to him talk. But he went to talking about they were having to get the hay in. They were having to get the hay up. And, and you know what? When all that rain's coming and you got that short window of time, isn't that right, Cody? You, when, when, it's, when it's time to make hay, you got to get it up. You got to work. And listen, Jesus has given us a word picture, and he's saying, y'all, this harvest is plentiful. It's a big job, but it's going to take some work to do it. It's big, and we're going to need some workers to do this. Have you ever gone to do a job and you're the only one there to do it? How does that make you feel? You feel like I'm all alone in this work, but you, you know, and that's a bad feeling. If you're the only one out there and you're going, man, I need somebody over here doing this. I need somebody over here doing that. I need somebody over here doing this. Listen, by the way, we have a work day this Saturday morning, all right? That's a good plug for it. This Saturday morning at the property. I know some of y'all are going to be out of town and vacation and stuff like that or traveling, but many hands make light work. And between 8 o'clock and 12 o'clock Saturday morning, we're going to be at 3200 Pierce Smith Road to get a lot of good work done on the property, to have that dedication on Sunday. But you know, sometimes the harvest, there's a lot of work to be done, and God's saying, okay, I want you to get involved. Jesus knows that. Here's the next thing. Jesus also realizes, he realized there is not enough workers. He knows. He realizes. He sees how big the job is, and he realizes in this text there is not enough workers. So what, here's the next thing. Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus gives us the answer. So what are we to do? He gives us, he gives us this story but he gives us the answer, and we're to do this. He says, pray. That's how we do it. We pray. We pray. And we pray to whom? We pray to the Lord of the harvest. That's whom we pray to. Listen, 
If you've ever been working for the Lord out in the field by yourself, you'll begin to pray. You'll begin to pray, God, I need more help. Send me more help. I, please send me more help, Lord. And you'll begin to pray, and then what happens when you get somebody that sees it and they come over and they help you out? How does that make you feel? You go, yes. Man, I'm not in this alone. I got some help. I've had brothers helping me this past week and coming over and doing things and being a blessing, being a great help. It might be something little to you, but it was something big to me because it was help. It was help. And, man, just texts and encouraging things along that way of, hey, I'm here. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to help. And you know, everybody, when we all do our part, then you begin to see why the body comes together in a beautiful way. But Jesus knows. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then he says to pray what? Pray to him that he might send more workers, more laborers into his harvest. Remember, we don't ever forget whose harvest it is. It's his. So God... We pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, that you might send forth more workers into your harvest. I know our ladies here in the church that have met together many times, they pray for more workers. I can assure you, our wonderful children's director, Anna, right over there, has prayed for more workers. <laughs> because when you're working with children and so many people step up to help out, you can never have enough children's workers. Amen, Anna? That's an amen, isn't it? You just never can. But here's the blessing. When you pray and then God starts sending them, you know, when you're doing church work, and we've got brothers and sisters that have done it for a long time in here, but when people come up to you and say, how can I help you with this ministry and what do you need me to do? What's the first thing you want to do? Go up and hug their neck and say, God bless you. I've been praying for you. That's usually what we do. And we're thankful for that. But it's, it is just an awesome thing to know we're doing stuff together. Well, Angie had gone to see another movie, and she said, it's already out. It's not no longer in the theater, but let's go buy it because you need to see it. And that movie was a movie about a guy named, uh, that served in the military in World War II by the name of Doss, Hacksaw Ridge. We, we got the movie, we watched it. The mistake I made was watching it between 10 to 12 o'clock the other night because I couldn't sleep after I watched that movie. I couldn't. Uh, but in that movie, I'm not going to give you the whole story if you've not seen it, so I'm not going to spoil it for you. But in that movie, this, this little uh, corporal, he did something in that movie as a medic by not carrying his gun to war that I've that blew me away it was based on his true story Mel Gibson directed it but the one line that he had in that movie that has been impacting Angie's life and then of course it's flowed over onto me was the line in that movie where he prayed Lord just give me one more just give me one more. And he was out there rescuing that one night as many people as he could drag 
over to the ridge and then with that rope burning his hand, letting him down. In fact, the surgeon in the movie said, where are all these soldiers coming from? Where are they all coming from? Well, listen, that guy did what he could do. He was doing his part. The surgeon was doing his part. The surgeon couldn't be out there doing what Doss was doing, but everybody was doing their part. And Doss wasn't out there. He got protected. Listen, he wouldn't have lived, been living if it hadn't been for some of those other soldiers laying down their life for him. But they saw, I'm going to tell you, you got, you're a pretty brave man when you go toward the bullets without a gun in your hands, okay? That's, that's some bravery or insanity, one or the other, but it was bravery on his part. And God used him in a powerful way. And I, I love that one scene in the movie where they were all getting ready to go in the, to make a second attack, but they were all standing in, a, in the Captain-ish barks out the order to them. What are y'all waiting for? And they said, we're waiting for Doss to finish praying over here before we go into battle. Wow. That's powerful, isn't it? That's influential. That's the difference of what one man did in Hacksaw Ridge. Listen, prayer is powerful. If you've been laboring and in laboring for the Lord, you don't give up. You just continue laboring for the Lord. And you continue to remember, I'm going to pray to you, Lord, the Lord of the harvest, that you're going to continue to send more people into the harvest. Real quickly in closing, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 4, verses 35 through 38. In John chapter 4, verses 35 to 38, Jesus had met this woman uh, at the well and he told her all kind of things that she had done and then he so she left her water pot she went back to the village and told people hey I've met a man that told me everything I've ever done and she witnessed to them and then she obviously made an impact but we're going to pick up this story in John chapter 4 to where uh, the disciples were wanting to they were kind of surprised that Jesus was talking to a woman in public because uh, it, Hebrew men didn't do that uh, to women, but he was. And then they were coming to bring him food. And we'll pick up right here. And they, uh, Jesus said, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, this is verse 33, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's my food. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then notice what he says in verse 35. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. 
Jesus saw those people coming out of that city. And he told them, hey, guys, look up. Here it comes. You don't have to wait four months, which was the normal time between growing something until the time you harvested. He said, there's no waiting period here. The fields, the field is white for harvest. Here they come. And many of those did get saved. And, you know, listen, I know this with all my heart. God is the author, and he is the perfecter of salvation. He is the one who saves people. You and I can't save anybody. But you and I are given the responsibility to share the good news of the gospel with all. We are to do that. We are to tell people. When people see you and they go, what is it about you, man? Man, you're different. Then that's your, hello, Dean, there's your sign, okay? That's your opportunity to say, man, it's not me. It's Jesus. If you see anything good in me, know it is God. Isn't that right, Bruce? Know it is God. Because that brother's been in and out of those hospitals, and he's witnessed to so many people when they see him acting different than other patients. So you can be laying on a bed, y'all, in a hospital and be a witness for God. Or you can be at that ball field coaching and act different than that old coach over there that's trying to live his life through his kid, okay? And thinking that he's about to be in a World Series and, and P-ball, of all things. You know, it's, it, it gets ridiculous what I've seen out there. And, hey, I've been that dad, so I know how to relate to him, all right? So, you know, I've, I've been there, done that. <laughs> but listen, wherever we are, if you're out there fishing, man, if you're on that fishing boat, yeah, everybody, it's a time. It's a time. You know, you don't take somebody out fishing and say, hey, if you don't receive Jesus, I'm going to throw you out of this boat right now. You don't do it that way. You love them. You lead them. You let them see you. And you live life with them. And then when that time comes, you share. And listen, I've been there before where I shared with someone, and I go, you know, it just didn't seem that it was getting anywhere. Well, you planted a seed. Or you might come along and share something else, which is you might have watered it a little bit. But you might be there to where you walk into a situation and you see somebody and they say, listen, I need God in my life right now. Would you tell me how to have God in my life? It can happen that way. But it, God is at work in all of the stages in that process. And so wherever it is, you know, you do your part. You and I do our part. And listen, you know what hits me is being out there in, uh, on that property that the Lord has given us that we will build a church on for God's glory. What hits me is to think of my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and the impact of what we're doing. We're going to be laboring on a project. But you think about your children's children and their children. We're, we're doing some labor, but one day they're going to do some reaping. And it's a process, you know, I've, I've, I've gone into churches before, and I didn't, I just came in, didn't anything do, do anything different than I'd done pastoring in other places, but God brought a harvest. People were getting saved right and left, and I was just sitting there knowing, hey, it's not, I know it's not us. I know this is God. And then you've been at places where you go, Lord, it doesn't seem like anybody's responding. 
and you keep loving, you keep sharing, but what you really do is planting seeds, and, and then somebody else might see it down the road, but what he says here is, no matter what, you're in the field, and you're doing your part, and you leave the outcome up to God. Amen? It's just good to be in the field. So I close you with this one. Our focus should be on being obedient to the one who sends us into the field rather than on controlling the rate of growth or the amount we reap. Our focus should be on being obedient to the one who sends us into the field. That's the key. He's the Lord of the harvest. And when he says to us, hey, it's time to go into the field. The harvest is there, y'all. It's time to do it. That's who we respond to. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you.